0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Prep Life podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I'm joined by two fabulous people, Coach Lee Marie Hostetter. Lee Marie, how you doing? Hi. And Jill Humphrey, we are so excited for you to be here today.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for the opportunity.
0: Yeah. So I know you've been, you have a, um, extensive past on competing and you're um so we definitely want to get into that but first can you share with the listeners where you are located and kind of what you do for a living and anything about family all that background stuff so i live in lake stevens
1: washington which is about 35 40 miles north of seattle and I have this great little lake view. I live with my husband and my two pit bulls. Um, both of my kids are college age now. So my son is um, in San Francisco studying mechanical engineering, and my daughter is here in Washington, close enough for me to visit. So, a little bit about my family life. I am the founder and CEO of Sola CBD. So, I have a CBD company where since 2018, I've been making products for people and pets, everything from bath bombs and bath soaks and soaps to capsules, tinctures, gummies. And then recently we started adding some functional mushroom products and non-psychedelic microdose products. And we just got our mood magic microdose mushroom product on
0: Amazon, which is a really big step for us. Nice. And how many locations do you have? Uh, three retail locations. Okay. And you're on Amazon. That's awesome.
1: One of my locations is in a major mall and it's really exciting to be next to some national retailers. So people get this brand recognition and we're able to communicate with a lot of people that normally wouldn't even be exposed to CBD. So it really opens up some really cool conversations. Yes. And you are an IFBB pro. I am. Yes. I am a bikini pro master's bikini pro. Um, I got my pro
0: card in 2021 and last season was my second pro season. Okay. So where? what competition did you earn pro status at? So it was
1: 2021 NPC universe and they had it in Charleston cause it
0: was COVID times. Oh yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah, that's a neat town. It's such a cool city.
1: I, I went I back this last year for clash. And it's just one of those cities that now has a special place in my heart.
0: 100%. (laughs) Lee, did you have a question that you wanted to ask Jill?
2: Yeah. So what, so when you earned your pro card, what would you say? Do you think you would say it was just time or do you think there was something different about that prep or that show day? And did you know beforehand, like this is the day I'm going to get my pro
1: card? So I had taken 10 years away from competing and decided in 2020 that I was going to compete again. And I was chasing regional shows all year and the restrictions were really strict in my state. So I had started prep in January for an April show and that got canceled and moved out. So I had just kind of chased shows, hoping to get back to where I left off in 2010 which was my first year in bikini before that I had done figure and I placed top five at my first national show. So I was like, if I could just get back to where I was, that would be huge. So I ended up finally finding a show the end of October and I won both of my master's classes, the master's overall, and then first in my height class for open. And then about two months later, went down to Arizona for what was that? USA's and master's USA's. They had it all combined together in, um, I was there. that year. Right. Yeah. So I took first in my 35 and over class. I took second in my 40 and over, and I took third and open. So I knew I was really close after that. That was like, okay, you deserve to be here. You got what it takes. Sandy told me just a little more glute. So um, got back to the drawing board, worked really hard and then came back the following July. I don't know if I went into it expecting it because I mean, you know how it is at these national shows, everyone's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's not a disappointing physique out there. So I was just actually kind of surprised. I, I felt really calm. I felt like I'd won because of all I had done to get there that I was a little bit surprised when I got it, but also just ecstatic at the same time. say? And yeah, it was 45 um, and 40. So it was like the double pro card, which wow. was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't even that's remember when awesome. I placed an open, but at that point it didn't even matter. It's <laughs> uh-huh. crazy. What, um, what height class were you at Masters USA's that year in December? Always the tallest class. I'm five, eight. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. okay, I was in G I competed there that oh same God. year. And then I, um, the next day I coached, a uh, an athlete, in the open oh so God. that's such a small world <laughs> right
1: there's a lot of people now um Celeste I, I did her podcast not mm-hmm. that long ago and we were at the same show there's quite a few people yes. I've now connected with including a pro I competed with in Charleston and we saw each other and were like I know you went back and found our stage photos and there we were she was the short class winner and I was the tall
0: class winner oh so oh my <laughs> gosh so fluctuations awesome. between us <laughs> very cool so since your pro win or your pro card win, um, how many pro shows have you done? Cause you said you're in your second year. If I, yeah, if I so my
1: pro debut season, I did four shows and then this past season
0: I did eight shows. Woo! that's a year. <laughs> do you have any questions around that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So do we eight shows in a season, uh-huh. um, How do you maintain muscle mass dieting that much? And like, do you take a lot of time off the gym? Are you one of those people that doesn't really need a deload? I know you mentioned Sandy saying that you needed to add more muscle on your glutes. How Mm -hmm. do you keep up that muscle doing that many shows?
1: Part of it is I've just been lifting for so long. The muscle that I do have is pretty dense. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't grow the fastest in the glutes. I actually maintain pretty tight um with with my improvement season without a lot of effort i'm i'll just say i'm i'm blessed with my metabolism <laughs> but i've also worked hard to get it there because there were phases of my life where i didn't eat a ton um but i think just sorry can you can you phrase that where we were going with that trying to keep
2: up oh keep yeah okay shows and peak weeks and do you deload things like that
1: So not much with the deload, although you do kind of end up with this natural deload around show and peak week and all of that. So it just depends on how close the shows were together. I actually do really well when my shows are clustered. I can just kind of go back to back to back. I'm a very high energy person. I love festivals and raving and I'm the one dancing at the last song still going. My friends call me the energizer bunny. So when I get to competing, I have that same type of energy and intensity. I finish a show and I'm like, what's next? One more show, one more show. I love being on stage. I love the energy and the vibe of backstage and show day. I've. Since I thought about getting back into the sport and observed Ashley Kaltwasser and how much she competed, there was a piece of me that was like, that would be so fun. I would love to compete a lot and see a lot of places and have the experiences, get in front of a bunch of judges. But again, you kind of don't know what your body can take until you push it to that and see what it can take. So we just kept rolling into shows and there's little things that I wanted to tweak and change every time. I brought a pretty consistent physique with just minor changes each show and I was able to talk to Sandy after my season and she even commented on how I was able to maintain show to show cuz she did see me three three weekends but I think it was over the course of 4 weeks that she was head judge oh, wow. at my show. So she was able to see it that yeah I actually did that and then my one week off during those four shows I did a 3-day festival weekend so <laughs> it felt like another peak week almost. Uh,
2: um, the type that likes to go out after shows like oh yeah a-
1: yeah um, and I don't skip that in fact in Charleston knowing that we were driving from Charleston to Pittsburgh for Masters Worlds and I was you could just feel when the metabolism is revving and you're kind of leaning out I now have a travel scale I didn't then but it was I, we're starting to see striations coach had a close eye on me mm-hmm. and I went out to sushi and then I had a piece of carrot cake it's like sometimes you're on rice cakes are low carbs. And then other times you're literally eating sushi and carrot cake. It's, it's not fair, but it's how it is sometimes. So
0: So I heard you say that you had basically four shows within almost like a month of each other. So were those other four clustered near the so we're all eight I guess in other words were they kind of in the same like season of the year or did you have like some four in the spring and then four in the fall or how did that work my
1: first show was the first or second weekend in July at Vancouver and then not even a week later I was at Chicago um then let's see what came after Chicago then it was Tahoe and then there was that weekend for the festival, and then it was Clash, and then it was Masters Worlds, and then it was Sasquatch, and then it was Legion. So my last show was October 8th. So from July to October, I was in prep,
0: stage lean. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got some kind of like refeeds and uh, <laughs> reprieves, like maybe yeah. some diet breaks within there as well. Yeah. So how are how your placements? Amazing. So first season, I was super happy. I
1: came out with my pro debut at master's worlds and I placed fifth and it was, there were so many people there. It was just that feeling of, you know, you, you made it to the pro league, but can you make it in the pro league? So Mm -hmm. to get that top five placing just felt so good because there were girls that had just come off of a top five placing at Chicago the week before that that year who didn't even place top five. So I was already placing ahead of people that I had admired for years who were top placing pros. So that was, that was a super exciting feeling. So let's see, I had, I had two fifth places and two third places, my first pro season. And then this past season, I came out at Vancouver. I took third and then Chicago first, um, Tahoe third and then clash first, masters worlds first, Sasquatch first, and Legion third. So incredible! We did better than last year, and yeah, it's just it's one of those sports where we get super competitive. We want to win, but to beat your own placings in the past and
0: have those little measurable places of self improvement make it super rewarding. Yeah. And so were those all in masters or do you ever compete in open as a oh, pro? I do compete in open, but I've yet to crack the top 10. No, I, I take that back. I cracked the top
1: 10, but it was a smaller show. Like I technically placed higher in a bigger show out of sheer number of competitors, but okay. I've only got the top 10 in open once. So I do okay. keep doing it. I mean, I love the stage time, yeah. I love practice. And it's kind of cool to see your physique in a lineup next to the open girls and be able to see, actually, I don't have that far to go. There's not a massive margin separating us just a little bit more here or there. So I'm going to keep yeah. doing it.
0: good. And are you 40 plus, are you doing 40 plus with yeah. those placements or are some of them 35? Um, but was the
1: only one that was 35. There's not a lot of 35 and shows, but yeah, that one was. Okay.
0: Yeah. Lee, did you have a question around so- that?
2: Do you, I'm really interested about your company and all that. Do you use those products to help you with prep or is that kind of just a separate thing because you're such an entrepreneur that you just do that separately? Or, or does that like, do you use those products for prep? Is that for bikini competitors? Oh yeah.
1: They, they help me with prep and then the clients that I coach, cause I'm My coach and I have a coaching business as well. And I do the women's programming and posing and nutrition. And there's certain times where they'll be talking to me about things. And I'm like, okay, I I have to cross promote here because I really think you'd benefit from this, but I use it as a daily supplement for myself, um, for sleep, especially we know that sleep and recovery is so important and the deeper we get into prep, the harder it can be to maintain those sleep schedules. So I have a little sleep regimen. In fact, at the women's workshop. I gave, um, a little sample of a topical and then my deep sleep capsules to everyone. So they could try them because like, sometimes you can explain it to someone, but they're like, yeah, yeah, I've tried sleep supplements. This really, really works. So I use that. I use, um, actually my bath bombs when I get really high on my cardio, I do a lot of Epsom salt baths, but I do one of the CBD bath bombs in it too just part of my, my weekly self-care ritual makes it feel really good. I've got marathon runners that come in and buy those Uh by the stack because they help so much with, um, post-run recovery. Um, and one of my capsules has berberine in it and berberine is known to be a natural glucose disposal agent and helps maintain healthy blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. So I like that one too. Plus it has some benefit on metabolism. Plus, I just feel like the CBD in general keeps my mood a little more stable. And you know how it is. We have good days. We have bad days.
0: So way we can kind of balance those out is awesome.
2: Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I tried the balm um, on some of my sore muscles uh, one night and it felt really good. Um, yeah. I have not yet to try the capsules from the women's workshop, but I'm excited. I'm kind of saving them towards, you know, yes. um, like <laughs> once you I get even, deep right? in the prep when I'm, you know, hungry and
1: it <laughs> so becomes a little bit more difficult. I'll get kind of bound up in my shoulders. And my husband used to be, um, professional pitcher for baseball and he oh, okay. really understands all the muscles in the shoulders and the joints and everything. So he'll get in there and really dig around with the CBD. So once every other week or so I'll ask him to, to work on my shoulders and then trade off and give him a good back massage with the stuff too. So it's good.
0: Awesome. Who did
1: he play for and how did you guys meet? So he played for Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, Yeah. He got picked up right out of college. He moved around a lot, different schools for college. Um, We met at a bowling alley on a double date. We were both dating other people (laughs) and we'd end up at the same parties and we actually weren't really big drinkers or into whatever else was going on at the party. So I found myself just sitting out on the patio with him, having these more business conversations and he was going through some legal stuff and I was working with some attorneys at the time and gave him an attorney's number that I thought he should contact to help him with his case that he was working on. And that's how he got my number in his phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was just random Here, that, you know, I thought he was cute, but I was dating someone else. So it was like, yeah, we should do coffee sometime. And it never happened. And then he reached out when I was out of that relationship and my life was honestly such a mess at the time. I was like, he asked how it was going. And I said, honestly, it's, it's not great. And I just listed out all this stuff. I'm like, that ought to scare him away. And instead he said, it sounds like you could use a friend. Do you want to grab a drink? So oh my gosh, we makes- were supposed to meet for coffee. <laughs> we had talked for a few weeks before like actually meeting up for a date and throughout conversation he had figured out what my kid's favorite candies were so he showed up with a single red rose for me and then my kid's favorite candies and as a mom it was really important that that I it's I'm a package deal it's me and my kids it wasn't just me so he made it very clear from jump that he understood this was a package deal so he goes I know we were supposed to do coffee but it's I think you could use something a little stronger than coffee. So <laughs> went to sports bar and grabbed a drink and yeah, just kind of unfolded from there. We were engaged for three years before getting married. We started dating in 2010, married in 20
0: or sorry, 2012, and then married in 2016. Okay. Okay. Did you have a question around that or Lee Marie? Or did you have anything for her?
2: Not around that. I do have another. Okay. Prep question. Yes. Um, do you practice flexible dieting during prep? Do you follow a meal plan? Have you done both? What do you prefer? And what do you think? I mean, you're a coach as well. Um, you mentioned you do programs like training, yep. programs, but like, what do you recommend for your athletes too?
1: So I try to do macros whenever possible. Some people just don't like to think about the food and they say, please give me a meal plan. So I can just stick to this. Um, but even for my people that follow macros, I recommend setting yourself a weekly meal plan. Um, it it just allows you to shop and meal prep and all of that, but it allows you the ability to rotate out different ingredients. So we're getting a diverse balance of micronutrients as much as possible, especially as our macros get lower, um, past history with, with, dieting. And I mean, I I came from runway modeling before I ever started competing. So it was like, how skinny can you get? Um, at five, eight, my very first ever figure competition, I was 121 pounds. Oh, wow. So I was, (laughs) I was very small. I mean, I grew up getting picked on called bean pole and toothpick and all the, all the funny names for being too skinny. Um, but then it was celebrated in the fashion world. And it was also mm-hmm. an era where being super skinny was in. Mm-hmm. So it's just been this, this mind shift throughout the years to learn how to properly feel my body. Um, I was almost d- diagnosed with a double autoimmune disorder in 2018. And before going in and receiving that diagnosis, because I don't believe in speaking those kind of words over us, I saw a naturopath and got some blood work done and did a bunch of food sensitivity testing, went on the autoimmune protocol diet, which hands down hardest diet you'll ever try to follow. Like after doing that and I did a 72 hour prolonged fast. So between those prep diets, nothing. So with every one of my clients, we do food sensitivity testing, and then we do a 30 day elimination process. And then we add back in the things that they're like, I really don't want to live without this and then see if they can still tolerate it. So within a person's food sensitivities and within my food sensitivities, I feel like there's already, there can be so many restrictions that having a little more variety and flexibility with a meal plan is truly healthy long-term because when we look at it, our competing journey is a very small portion of our lives. And in the past, the way that we dieted and prepped in the industry gave a really bad name for wrecking people's metabolisms and, um, causing negative relationships with food. And then the big swings from, um, you know, packing on a bunch of weight post-show and then the body image issues that come into play with that. And, you know, learning to eat healthy year round with foods that fuel your body, but just increasing the quantity, but never really going off the rails, just more of a, that type of approach works for me. And I have a macro range. Like, I don't even, it's not like your calories are this per day, your proteins, this, I have this little bit of a range, you know, there's a 10% variance. We're not going to be perfect every day. And even if we are down to the gram, like certain pieces of chicken have a different calorie content. So even if we're thinking we're being super precise, we're probably not. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: It's so true. true. Is there any, like, prep hacks that you have come up with to make certain things that you're craving fit your macros?
1: hundred percent. I got a pan of them sitting on the stove right now. So I have this recipe for macro brownies. I've posted on, on my IG a few times and almost every day of the week during prep. And then obviously improvement season, there's more flexibility. So I don't find myself craving them as much, but I make brownies. I love chocolate. So I use yam and oat flour and chocolate protein powder and cacao powder, almond milk, baking soda, baking powder, and then some peanut butter powder. So like, I kind of know my recipe. If I have the macros for it, I'll make a little frosting out of that flavored peanut butter powder. Can't remember the brand, but they've got some really yummy flavors um, and do a little frosting on it. But for me, it's, it keeps me sane it allows me to stick to my diet i feel like i'm having dessert um between that and the ninja creamy that was a game changer for me last
0: season i can have ice cream <laughs> we are yeah. really
2: big fans of the ninja yep.
0: yeah. we yep. were just talking about our level 1 uh ice cream sandwich how creamy it gets in the ninja creamy it's like yeah. the the one protein powder that gets so rich and thick it's so good right I love it. So, What's your favorite ninja creamy concoction? So I have to
1: do vegan protein because dairy is one of my okay. sensitivities, especially way. Okay. So I use a sun warrior or ghost vegan. Um, okay. and I, I found this stevia sweetened vegan, um like jello pudding powder. But it's it's oh. keto friendly, so better macros than the sugar-free Jello that you're going to find in the stores. So, always adding a couple tablespoons of that dry pudding powder to whatever I'm making makes a big difference. So, it give it
0: a good texture. Like it's a, a total texture vegan. thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're doing the vegan protein, like it'll work without it, but it's just much better with it. And I feel then- like when I do vegan, it, it's almost like it gets pebbly or like kind of like a hard consistency. I, I don't know. Maybe it's what I'm mixing it with. Cause I just yeah, mix it with water. It, but. it
1: could. Yeah. That's probably it. You got to mix it with yeah. almond
0: milk. Like I will. Okay. My
1: non-negotiables, I keep my coffee creamer. Like I use the nut pods, sugar-free flavored coffee creamers, but I will keep them even on show day. Like don't, don't cut those out for me. I have this no flavored collagen powder. Don't, don't take it out. Like if I have to do 10 minutes of extra cardio, I'd rather do that than take away my coffee happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Lee
0: Marie is a big creamer person. <laughs> I just yeah. can't do straight black coffee.
2: <laughs> I don't mind yeah. black coffee if it's good, but my creamer in my coffee is amazing. Wow. Actually, a huge hack for me is the uh, First Form has a chocolate stevia sweetened chocolate sea salt magnesium powder. Okay. That I love using and magnesium does not put me to sleep. So sometimes I will use that like in prep. I'll use the scoop in my coffee. I'll just drink it in the morning. Some yeah. my sister will take it right before bed. It knocks her out. For me, it just I just it tastes amazing, but yeah. it's a calorie.
1: <laughs> so I'll put That's that in hot. Okay. I have the chocolate and the chocolate mint and the chai element tea. Electrolyte drinks, and I'll drink them hot sometimes because yeah. it's like you're having a hot chocolate, but not
0: so. Yeah, um, yeah. One of my hacks is I have a, one of those frothers that I got off an, of Amazon, and if you use the Blue Diamond almond milk, it will make a foam that is so creamy and thick. And I put it, I just put it right before we got on on in my decaf coffee, and so it's like a almond milk latte. And it's so fluffy and good. <laughs>
1: So we digress. Yeah, I'm just having coffee and my little slice of brownie, and I don't feel like I'm on
0: prep. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So as far as your journey, so kind of lead us into what inspired your, you know, jump back into you know, prep, other than you had mentioned that you wanted to kind of beat your um top five in figure that you had gotten previously in like 2010 or
1: what was actually bikini I did figure oh, that was a- it until 2008 I took 2009 okay. off but in my last figure season like I, I was to the point where I was winning my height class regionally and missing the overall by one point like three consecutive shows um oh, wow. and in my mind I don't know if this was really the way it was at the time but you didn't go to nationals unless you could win a regional overall So that's where Mm -hmm. I was. Well, like I can never win the regional overall. And they always said, it's so hard for the tall girls to get it. Compact muscles, just play better on stage. Um, The bikini division was new. 2009 was the first year of it. And honestly, it was a joke. Like we made fun of it. It was for the people that didn't work out, for the people that couldn't take their diet serious. It was just a glorified Hawaiian Tropic Bikini contest, really.
0: Um, So 2000, well, actually, I I Oh, go ahead. Washington. State. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think it when it first came about, I think it depended on what state you're in. Because I know in Indiana they were very strict about it not being like any like catcalls or like anything that was like it was very. He was our chairman. Was very like regimentative about it being very like people would get kicked off the stage. I saw two people get kicked off the stage. They weren't allowed I mean, to be on stage. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> What's that? For being too ratchet. Um, Yeah, one didn't had like a suit that was too revealing, Um, and then another one was like bending over or something. So he basically just like yanked him off the stage, like told him to get off, like pull him right off. Yeah, because he's like, we're not gonna. This is gonna be a professional. Um, thing, but I think I I listened to your podcast with Celeste, and you were talking about how it was kind of sexualized a little bit in your state. Oh, yeah. Is they, that right?
1: They actually had the bikini division walk through the audience, like picture casino, and you've got the stage at the front, and they split us into two groups, and they have us walk around the edge, and then walk down the middle aisle. And you're right, we're we're being catcalled and hooting and hollering, and then they introduce their special guest judges, which were from the company, Zipfiz, a couple of the higher ups. And these were the same local judges that had judged the Miss Bronston fit, like a calendar model search, bikini search, yeah. which I, I did that one too. But it was, um yeah, that was more like, this is my modeling stuff. And that was to stay in shape for, right. right. I could do it in the off season and not really have to do anything, but show up and do okay at these. I also did ring girl stuff. Um, which was a lot of fun, but again, like I saw the two as very separate and it wasn't professional and you weren't taken seriously backstage. So I had a couple judges, um, come up to me and tell me that they were trying to move the direction of the bikini division into a more professional, more respected thing. And it was actually created for girls who had a structure like mine, where it was hard to pack around a lot of muscle, but you still had shape and they explained it a little more. So I was like, okay, I I think I can do that. So came back in 2010 and, you know, it was fun. It was what it was, but I didn't really know where to go from there. And I was just burned out and done at the time. So I thought, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll come back and do masters someday, but I, I didn't see a path forward for me or really a reason to continue competing at that time. Um, okay. 20, when I, when I decided to come back, um, my business was under two years old. Um, my first retail shop, which was the only retail shop at that time, Uh, it was brand new and super slow. And I would sit there every single day, just wishing for customers to come in and like had gone a couple of years without taking a paycheck. And there was just this, I had forgotten what it felt like to win. Like I needed something that felt like success because when I looked at this just massive undertaking in front of me of like launching a business from the ground up and getting it to a place where it was thriving, it just, I needed something to break the time into more manageable goals. So before I had the CBD company, my husband and I had a smoothie shop um, inside an in LA fitness. And when I was there, people heard that I used to compete. So they would come up and tell me what their macros were. And I could create a custom smoothie for them. A couple of girls had me rework their diets because they were experiencing a lot of digestive discomfort and bloating and they were competing. So just kind of the, the buzz spread. And I started communicating with competitors, helping a couple of people with their diet. I set up a booth at a local bodybuilding show where I was selling supplements or whatever. And it was the first time I had been to a show since leaving in 2010. And well, that's changed. <laughs> it was, it was the smell of the spray tan or the tan that got me. I, I was like, isn't I'm, that like the best tan and yams. I was like, I miss it. <laughs> and I saw what
0: was on stage. I was like, Hey, you know, I, am not that far off. Like, I think I could do this. Very cool. So tell me more about that because I, I was in the same boat my first two years in business. I didn't take a paycheck either. Kind of talked to, um, you know, female entrepreneurs that are out there that are trying to make it happen. I mean, what are some, what are some things that kept you going during that time? And how did, how did it go from that to what you have now where you have, you know, Several locations and Amazon store and all that.
1: Um, well, progress and growth is never linear. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm in a slump right now. But again, like the the end is in sight. We've just had a lot of hardship. The end of uh, fourth quarter, and then with the the economy um, struggling like it is, everyone's gas and grocery prices are through the roof right now. So people are budgeting more than they have in the past, and it's really taken a hit on. The retail shops, but Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I've been in business for self since 2008, and I've tried a lot of different things and you learn something different with every one of them, but similar to going through all the different preps we have, there's these core principles of showing up every day, um, lists Mm -hmm. and organization, um, understanding your strengths and weaknesses and not being afraid to outsource the things that you're not good at. One of the most rewarding things for me as a business owner is putting the right people in place that can do a task better than I ever could. Because with almost all of the companies I've started, at one point I did everything from the cleaning of the toilets and the sweeping of the floors and the packaging and the heat sealing of everything I've done. So I know what I'm expecting of my people. Um, I don't just give out orders and demands. I roll up my sleeves and get to work with them. I think leading and setting a good example really helps too, but having that hands-on approach, um, to know how long a task takes. So you're realistic in your Mm -hmm. expectations of your people and you're not setting unrealistic timelines, but you're also properly managing your labor flow so that you're not wasting
0: money. So, um, yeah, love that. Lee, did you have a question for her?
2: Trying to think. (laughs) I love all that. How do you manage all of that and prep at the same time? Do you time block? Do you have, is it more delegating things when you're in prep? Do you find that you have less mental capacity to do your business when you're in the middle of a prep? Or is it just your routine all year round?
1: A lot of it's routine year round, but there's, there's definitely a balance shift in the brain space that is taken up when you're in prep and the closer you get to a show, the more distracted you are. So I try to just plan a lot in advance. Like right now I'm going through and planning all the social media content for a few months in advance. And so some of those tools, so I don't have to do the, the detailed work that has margin for error because I'm a little, ADD when I'm on prep and you know, you're, you're all over the place. So, you know, you're, you're hungry and you're trying to focus on a task and you can't. And so making sure that I'm getting stuff done ahead of time, but I guess I'm just a multitasker. I I function that way pretty well. I always seem to have a lot going. So some of it just kind of feels natural.
2: Totally.
0: So when are your next plans for when's your next run of it? So I had the idea that I really
1: wanted to do Emerald cup because Emerald cup, our biggest regional show just announced a master's pro bikini division this year, but the show is at the end of April and it's just hard for me after coming off of such a long season last year. Um, I just don't think I've had enough time. So I said, I was going to do the show thought I was going to, and then about four weeks ago, I was like, no, no. You're not going to be up there with an undeniably different package. If you prep right now, plus I did spend so much time and energy focused on competing. You know, you can kind of get on this roll and on this run and you, you have to see it through. It's, it's what you wanted to do. It's best possible case scenario, but now you've got this momentum and, and you're pouring your focus into it. Um, but once the season ended, it was like instant flip focus on the business because quarter four with the mall shop is the busiest and being present for the holiday season and decorating and then family and my family and my business needs me and having this little bit of break and flexibility to where we had plans on Sunday and I didn't meal prep I can kind of wing it this week and it's not the end of the world Um, that flexibility and freedom is really good and then just giving my body more time to rest and recover um so last year was my first year going on the bioidentical hormone replacement couldn't figure out why I wasn't recovering and like I knew that it was normal to be sore cuz I trained my glutes all the time but it was like I would sit in the car for 5 minutes and I was just almost in tears I was aching so bad so got my hormones checked and I had no estrogen no progesterone no testosterone like super low super low on all of them and my FSH was through the roof so Um, started working. I I did pelleting twice, but didn't like it because it's not stable as far as hormones for me. So I've kind of been working with my doctor ever since to find that perfect balance. So looking at my latest labs, I'm like, I can look at those labs and say, if, if I was like put on my coaching hat, um, I probably wouldn't tell my client to compete if they had as much on their plate as I have right now. And we're dealing with the stress loads And just weren't mentally in that place where they're like, boom, I want to prep. Like, I know myself mentally well enough to say when I'm ready to prep, I'm ready to flip that switch and go hard. And I'm just not there. And, and I feel at peace about that too. So I have plans to get an in-body scan tomorrow. Actually, I, I hopped on the scale today for the fourth time since finishing competing in October. So I have a tendency to get scale bound. So one of the things that really helps me in improvement season is less tracking. Doesn't work for everyone, but for the way that I'm wired and maintaining a tight weight
0: like I do, it it works really well for me. So was the prognosis good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was
1: like, a- like, oh, okay, we're good. Um so. I my lowest stage weight this season was 131. My highest was probably 134. And I'm 142 now. So
0: you know,
1: it's it's two pounds a month or something like that, you know, 10 pounds or so from stage weight. So it's even tighter than I did last year. And last season, when I tracked my improvement season, I was weighing weekly and I was I was hyper focused on it. I was tracking all my improvement season macros and I was tracking every workout just the mental freedom from not tracking every workout has been really good for me this year. And it's like, I'm finally to that point where I, I trust my body that I don't have to see it on a spreadsheet to know that I'm making the growth because I go in and I do the same things. It's not like there's a ton of variety in my training at this point. So yeah, Trusting the process and um, being a little more flexible with it feels good.
0: So within that like 10 year hiatus, did you continue to lift weights throughout that? time. Not much. Not Not much. much. No, no. Um, In fact, it was a 2017
1: trip that my husband and I did for our one year anniversary to Mexico. And we went on this zip line excursion and to the cenotes. And there was a professional photographer that was snapping pictures of us. And I saw a picture of me from behind and it seriously bummed me out. I was like straight Uh up and down narrow, like little Twig arms, no butt. It was just like this flat butt. And I was like, oh, I don't like how I look. I'm I'm just looking kind of skinny and shapeless. And started looking into like butt implants and BBLs and stuff. And like, well, I don't have enough body fat for the BBL. And then I started reading about the implants and I was horrified. I was like, that's so risky and dangerous, and so much margin for error. So I bought a booty band and I just started working. So Good for you. (laughs) Booty band transitioned into the gym and, you know, one thing led to the other, but that was, that was kind of it. I, I didn't like my physique anymore and I wanted to add some shape to it. So, um, the doctor that did my Botox at the time told me that the secret to a youthful appearance, and this goes for your body head to toe, keep the skin off the bone. So we can do that physically by adding muscle. So he's like, picture a woman that's old and frail. And it's just like the skin draped over a skeleton, whereas youthful bodies have this nice plump muscle underneath and a little healthy layer of body fat. That really resonated with me and just kind of reinforced the journey that I was on to add some muscle
0: for size. Wow. Yeah. Do you mind if we kind of go into the side of with a master's competitor, that's a pro you know there's some promoters that charge for that and it just feels like such a wrong thing in terms of just once you're pro you should be able to use that as a career and things um the shows that you did did you win prize money when you won first and i mean is it is it a point where it's more of just something to enhance your life where you kind of break even if you do win um right. like with all the travel i mean kind of paint a picture for us like as a master's competitor what that looks like as a pro yeah.
1: so some shows pay for top three so third place okay. you might get 300 bucks um <clears throat> some shows only pay for the top one so it just kind of depends show to show um mm-hmm. some of them are lucrative like some of these promoters actually have pretty decent cash prizes. So, you know, a thousand or $1,500 could be a first place, um, prize for you. And like clash, they paid the entry fee to masters worlds as well for the first place win. And I was already going to that one. So that held value to it as well. Um, I do appreciate the promoters that don't charge because they're, it shows us respect. I, I think we we worked just as hard to get here. And yeah. the reasoning doesn't make any sense to me that, oh, they're established and they can afford it. Well, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, my kids got more expensive as they got older, not cheaper. Like I have more bills, not less than I had when I was in my twenties. So Again, like we're, we're all human beings. We all diet hard and train hard and work on our posing and the stage is the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. Like we're all up there competing against each other. Nobody's asking how much we bench, what do we weigh? They're literally just comparing our physiques on show days. So from an entry standpoint, I would like to see them treat our finances the same way as they treat our physiques on stage.
0: Okay. Yeah. Did you have any questions around that Marie? or...
2: I didn't know there was a difference between like master's pros and the open as far as that goes.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's nice to make some money and I'll look at it like, okay, well that covered my, covered my entry fee and then a little bit of something else, or Mm -hmm. at least, you know, sometimes it's, you make the money and then, okay, now I'm going to go buy the ticket to go to the next show. So there's also that little bit of temptation. Like I wasn't counting on this money and now I have it. And so why not? just keep it rolling. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually got this tip from someone that Celeste interviewed who was a CPA. Um, and as a pro you have a lot of write-offs. So track all of your expenses, keep spreadsheets, save your receipts. And it, it does help come tax time. And I just think it looks better you know, I've got the, the winnings that I'm claiming and then the expenses too. So of course the expenses far outweigh the winnings. It's not like we're making money as a pro
0: master's pro by any means. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I didn't even think about it as that you could do that as a separate business. Is it counted as a business entity or do you have to have an LLC established for that? To
1: You don't. It would just be okay. like if someone was a pro golfer. Um, okay. they might write off yeah. their travel to the different golf tournaments and their special golf shoes or clubs or whatever, maybe yeah. they write off their training because they're also getting income. So if you're claiming an income, you can also claim an expense, but those are just personal expenses. Cause it's you, the individual. Um, and then the promotion company yeah. sends out a 1099 at the end of the year where they'll give you your earnings
0: statements. Then you turn those oh, into, okay. and it's under your own social. Okay. So it's a 1099. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yep. Got it. Okay. Well, are there any tips that you have for people that, um, I mean, coming back into the sport after, you know, taking some time off, what are the key things that they would need to remember and making that happen?
1: Change doesn't happen overnight. I mean, <laughs> just cause I came back in 2020 doesn't mean I, I wasn't literally working on my glutes since 2017. So um, uh, just having a realistic expectation of the outcome you want based on the amount of time, energy, and input you're willing to give it. So sometimes you'll talk to someone who's thinking about getting into the, into the sport, and they have this unrealistic expectation of what they're going to be able to eat or drink and still achieve their stage physique or how much time they're going to have to invest in the gym and to their cardio, um, the financial commitment of, of doing shows and everything else that goes with it, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of components. So I think we can kind of romanticize this, um, this idea of getting on stage. Um, But when you get off stage, you're still the same person with the same problems that you had when you went into prep. So if you're looking for competing to fix your problems, it won't. Um, it, it's probably just going to shine a light on them a little more. So my biggest advice would just be to use the prep and use the sport and allow it to spill into all of other areas of your life. Like we have to be super organized as competitors, um, with our, with our meal timing and our nutrition and our training and our sleep and our supplements, we can apply those same, uh, organizational components to everything else we do in life. And it can just make us a better, more well-rounded person.
0: Absolutely. Lee, did you have any other questions that you want to ask Jill? I
2: don't think so. Is there, is there any advice you would want to give to our listeners listening in um, as far as living the prep life year round or being a mom and an entrepreneur and living the prep life? Any really great tips that you would give them? Well,
1: first of all, you're a super strong person for even attempting it. Cause there's a lot of people that look at you like, you're crazy. How are you going to do all that? Um, but I think we're in an era where it's okay for women to take up space and to chase hobbies, goals, and dreams, and to just be unapologetically ourselves. So to the outside person looking in, this is a very egocentric, self-centered, I'm seeking attention kind of sport when in reality, when you dig down to people's why that's usually not even top 10 on their list of why they're competing so um being able to communicate your why effectively with people um being very strong in your convictions and your commitment to what you're doing but also having a healthy and respectful way of communicating that with others um that's not shutting them out of your life because they don't understand but is maybe just trying to find that common ground and explain why you do what you do and i think if you're effective in explaining your why to people Others are going to find motivation and inspiration from that. And you're going to find that you're inspiring people
0: that you had no clue were even watching you. Love it. So is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanted to share before we kind of sign off from this amazing, so many nuggets of good information that you've given us?
1: Um. So my advice is is just to everyone is at every opportunity that you have be kind. So at my very first ever show, when I was in figure, I had no clue what I was doing. And I showed up with my cute little duffel bag and my pink suede coat and my jeans and my pink suede high heels over my spray tan. And I'm like looking at everyone walking in, in their black soft button up. I mean, at that time, Kim Odo's team was Odo's angels. And like this troop of women, like stunning women comes all walking in with these taco boxes full of makeup and all these glittery suits. And I was just, I felt so out of my element. I was ready to turn and bolt. And this woman came up to me. I, I wish I knew her name, but she said a few nice things to me. Noticed that my suit was really plain, told me that she had a spare suit and asked me if I'd like to borrow it. Uh And it was probably that one act of kindness that, um, kept me from leaving that day and made me stick to the sport, um, Uh helped me overcome an eating disorder by sticking with the sport where I probably would have gone back to unhealthy eating habits before that. So you never know what impact your kindness will have on others. So be that light to others backstage. You know, if you see someone who has a hair out of place or a tag, like, be the person that helps them. Like we're competing against each other out, out there, but we're all, we're a very small percentage of elite people and we can make an impact on people's lives just by showing more kindness.
0: That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I can't hardly see the, the screen because my eyes are filled with tears. Um, I love that. That's, I mean, we kind of talk about being unicorn, um, or mascots, of unicorn. And so that's like the epitome of the unicorn story <laughs> right yeah. there. I love that. Um, Don't yeah, so. you is, but
1: I, I want to be that person. So, you know, yeah. there's individuals like Janine priest that was kind of that for me at my first, um, master's pro show. So loved with name. someone We've else, had her had, her on the podcast, she sweet? there was someone else I'd gone up to and I was just starstruck and I introduced myself to them and they were so snooty and rude to me. I was like, oh, 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 it's not what I expected. Cause you know, you follow them online and you think they're this certain personality. And then in reality, maybe they're not, or maybe they're just stressed and having a bad day and you took it wrong. But to those people that do offer that warmth and that kindness, like it just opens this door where you can bond and make these beautiful friendships and. That's just the side benefit of this sport, meeting all the amazing people.
0: I 100% agree. That's the main thing that draws me into this sport is just the amazing people that I meet um, doing right. ev- this. It's just amazing. So yeah, well, thank you so much for being on. And if our listeners wanted to, which I'm sure they will, want to give you some love and tell you how much they appreciated this episode, How can they, um, you know, what's your Instagram handle so they can tag you on their story and, um, maybe reach out if they wanted to, um, of your many ventures that you have.
1: (laughs) No, please, please find me on Instagram. I'm at Jilly the buff bean with an underscore under each one of those words.
0: So yeah, follow me. I'd love to follow you back and, and watch your journey too. Awesome. And you can find us on prep, um, on Instagram at prep life podcast or at glam girl bikini. And so we always just really appreciate it. We try to keep this podcast ad free. So if you can you know, send a rating or review and let us know what you thought of the episode, uh, we would sure appreciate it because then other people that are interested in the same topics can find it. Um, so thank you so much, Jill, for being on today. We really, really appreciate you. And this is, um, Amy Anger, founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, signing off with my co-host, Lee Marie Hassetter. Thanks for listening, guys.